everybody. Welcome. It's another episode of Simply Amazing. Uh, Tim Ryder, Taryn Sharma. The Mets are uh, not even above water right now. They're well below water, but hey, let's let's have a podcast anyway. What's going on, Taryn? They're drowning, but they're still swimming. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, they finally won a series. How about that? It took a month. But they <laughs> exactly. Like almost to the day. Uh, and and beat a banged up but had been hot uh, Giants team, which is, um, I mean, those that's a good couple wins. And honestly, like their one eighth inning meltdown from sweeping that series, which is uh, is saying something. It is. It is. And and you know, as as down as things are right now, and as as bleak as they look, um, you know, we've seen crazier things happen than a team make up eight games in the wild card in July. Um, you know, I, safe to say they're not catching the Braves uh, in the East. But, you know, despite there being, oh, I don't know, one, two, three, four teams ahead of uh, ahead of the Mets going into those top three wild card spots. Um, again, you know, we've seen crazier things happen, but let's be realistic at this moment. Uh, they've got a lot of work cut out ahead of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think that. Like the the team doesn't understand that, right? Like yeah. I think everyone's kind of on the same page of that they've they've dug a huge hole for themselves, and they're obviously not going to catch Atlanta. Um, but you know, I, I I think that they're they're they can at least play for pride at the very least, and and maybe they surprise us in the second half. There's always these weird stories and I, I know that we talked about philly last time we were on here and how philly had already started to climb out of that hole you know look if the if the mets somehow uh starting tonight uh like turn it around and and run off 10 of 12 one i'll be shocked um but two i i think that that you know that that changes the entire dynamic you you go into the the all-star break with a little run and then come out of it with a little run I mean, maybe you get hot. Maybe something happens. Who knows? Oh, I wouldn't, you know, it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility, but, um, you know, it's going to be a game by game thing. I think the, the probability of them making any sort of waves is probably, you know, not nil, but it's on the lower end of that spectrum. Yeah. Um, you know, for right now, like you said, playing for pride, which, you know, over the first half of the season we really haven't seen a whole bunch of a whole lot of resiliency um you know big opposite from what we saw from this team last year and you know <laughs> trying to gauge the differences between last year's club and this year's that'll be a whole episode to itself once the season's all done but um you know they've had bright spots look at what tommy fam's been doing um you know you, you're starting to see i guess you could say a, a an identity and it's not a great identity to have, but you know you have certain times and certain players in certain situations where there is encouraging, there is encouragement. Which you know, I guess at the current juncture you're at, it's nice to see. But um, yeah, I mean, you string more series wins together, a couple of breaks happen, and yeah, things are a little bit different. But for right now, um, you know, you saw the Mets already starting to make moves on Monday. They traded. Uh, Zach Muckenhern to the yeah. Seattle Mariners. Um, got back Chris Flexion and Trevor Gott. Uh, they DFA'd Flexion. They picked up his $4 million owed. That's right. Uh, 
six million. Uh, I'm sorry, four hundred thousand. Uh, excuse me, six hundred thousand owed to Got. The Mets picked up, so you know. <sighs> They're making minor moves. I'm very curious to see where Depoto's going with all this, clearing up two roster spots. But um, as far as the Mets, I mean, they they got a bullpen piece, uh, which you know probably about a month too late. But um, what are, what are your thoughts on taking this step now? Like, are 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 they preparing for more moves to be made is this just oh hey we needed an extra bullpen arm so we flipped muck and herm for uh for this guy well i I think there's a few things here the the first and most obvious is like again utilizing the resource advantage that the mets have they have a competitive advantage when it comes to uh an owner willing on to willing to take on money um so that that would be the first thing eating that flex and contract um and you know maybe now he's been DFA'd. He could be dealt again. Maybe you get a, a piece for him. Maybe uh, he gets picked up and somebody else is on the hook for that money. But either way, the willingness, you know, Cohen in his uh, like uh, press conference last week said that on all of these deals, he basically considers the money has already been spent. And so um, that's how he treats it. Um, I think what you saw here is a, a good baseball decision in that uh, Zach Muckenhern's you know, fine. He's been pretty good at AAA, but um, those numbers, I think, probably aren't stable. Um, he didn't necessarily uh, flash at the major league level in his short term with the with the big league club. Um, he's an interesting guy, uh, lefty, and uh, the first and last player from the University of North Dakota um, because they cut their baseball program um his senior year and so um there will be no more north dakota baseball players but um kind of cool that he got to make his debut and and become the first and the last um and, and then i i think that got in uh particular is uh kind of evidencing what the track the mets will take uh at this deadline and going forward I don't think that they believe that this entire core is cooked and that there's no way that they could be competitive next year. I think that they're going to view this as like needing to retool. And in that sense, uh, got is, uh, he's got, um, yeah, you said it $580,000 left on, uh, this year. Uh, he signed a one year, $1.2 million, uh, with the, uh, the Mariners. And then he's ARB eligible next year. So the Mets will probably get him, I don't know, 1.5, something like that. So um, you you build in another arm to next year's bullpen. It's kind of doing your your winter work early, which um, I like to see. And and his numbers have been pretty good this, this year. Sorry. Um, yeah, the, de- uh, decent. Sorry. I, I, I was just... And on very decent numbers. I mean, against righties, it's kind of like backward splits, but um, I'm sorry. Uh, scratch that. Against righties, he's 211, 263, 254. That's, that's outstanding. We'll take that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, his, his, uh, he's striking out almost 10 per nine. He's throwing about 30 innings, which is great. Um, he, uh, the, um, XERA is expected ERA is uh is almost a run lower than what his ERA is. So 
you, you see his numbers and it's like, oh, he's got a four ERA. He's a, a reliever who comes in and throws, you know, the three batter minimum. Um, what what are you really getting here? But if you dive in a little bit more, it looks like um, he he should, uh, if if his luck kind of evens out, because um, right now he's dealing with three sixty five Babbitt. Um, I, I think that you know he's got pretty good chances of uh, of improving. Um, he uh, you look at his profile, he gets a lot of um, whiffs on that uh, on that four seam. And that has increased a lot year over year. Um, he kind of throws these the the four seam, and it's got some sinking action. So there's a little bit of trouble with categorization there, I think. But um, getting a significant number of, of swings and misses on the uh, on the four seam this year. So uh, yeah, it's good to see. I, I think it'll be um, a good addition and and a guy that clearly they targeted. They they like something that they saw. And um, and made a deal. I'm looking at a split here, uh, late and close this season for Guy. Two sixteen, three ten, two seventy. He's not really impressive with two outs, runners in scoring position. Um, runners in scoring position. Period. Numbers aren't great, but late and close, which the Mets absolutely need that in their bullpen right now. He's been very solid. So, yeah, I hope that works out. Um, you think Flexen makes it back to? The miners, or he gets he gets moved along. Well, I, I wasn't sure. I saw some talk uh, online. A lot of people were saying that his contract has a clause that prevents him from being able to be sent down, which I think is why they made the decision to DFA him. If he passes through waivers, you know, maybe he wants to come through on a uh, on a minor league deal, and uh, and then he can join the the much heralded Mets pitching lab that uh, that Steve Cohen discussed in his talk last week. Um, but otherwise I'm, I'm not sure. Um, maybe it would be a piece for somebody else on a, on a, a deal where he can be guaranteed that he'll be up in the majors. Yeah. He'll probably have the, um, the option to just, um, choose free agency once he clears waivers. Right. Yes. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah. And he didn't have all two nice things to say about the Mets organization when he left, but things have changed considerably since i believe that was that was him right that was flexing wasn't it oh did he oh i i want to say he left and he wasn't a happy camper but i'm i'm not 100 percent sure on that and i'm sure if i searched for flexing mets right now all i would find was trade news so uh i'll have to i'll have to look a little deeper into that what do so you that, oh um, sorry, go ahead well i don't i don't want to change the topic completely and maybe we should come back to this but but what did you make of of jd davis's comments because he not only grouped in the previous regime, but the the current one as well. Oh, you're going to have to fill me in, my friend. I worked all day and I had a little something going on after work. I did not catch J.D. Davis's comments. Please indulge me, sir. Well, I, I think that um, there are a few things. So the first thing is that he said that there was a lot of instability. Um, there were a lot of guys in the clubhouse that felt like they were on survival mode. Um, he said that he was one of the few guys that if he hit a home run in uh, in his most recent season with the Mets, that he would not be able to play the next day. Um, so looking Wait. at those, somebody did the, the numbers. Go ahead. Wait, I'm sorry. Repeat. If he hit a home run, 
the previous day, he wasn't playing the next he, day. He would not be in the lineup the next day. Yeah, he wouldn't be in the lineup the next day. Buck wouldn't put him in the lineup the next day. That's what he said. And so if you look at it, he uh, he he hit four home runs. And three of those times, he was not in the lineup the next day. But he also only hit four home runs. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of different things that I think that go into a, a player playing well. Also, the Mets were, um, you know, chasing Atlanta, chasing the uh, the division last year. Uh, and they were looking for more of a spark. Darren Ruff had been good. They thought that he was going to be able to replicate that in New York. It obviously did not work out. That was a bad trade. Um, but I don't think J.D. Davis performing well in San Francisco, which has done a good job of making the most out of its hitters uh, under the the Farhan Kapler kind of regime. Uh, I, I don't think that that means that uh, the Mets somehow screwed that up. Uh, I think that he got a change of scenery. He got an opportunity to play a lot on a on a team that was not contending for a division last year, and uh, and this year he's he's had a, a a really good run for half of the season, and hopefully he'll keep it up. He also struck out with the bases loaded last night, so you know. <laughs> I am. I, I just pulled it up. It's uh, Disha Thozar of uh, Fox Sports, formerly of. Um... Uh, the New York Daily News, uh, former friend of the pod. She's been on the pod. She's terrific. Um, yeah, I'm looking through this now, and boy, that 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 is wild. Um, I guess what he's been able to do in San Francisco this year, it certainly it seems like he's uh, refreshed, rejuvenated, re-energized. He, he probably, you know, arguably could have had a shot at an All Star nod, right? Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, arguably, he should have been because his numbers are great. But uh, um, I, I just I don't think that like JD Davis succeeding in a way that you know he had with the Mets in 2019. He, he was really good that year. He had like a 20 plus home run season for the Mets. Oh, um, exit velocity through the roof. Um, you know, Babbitt that nobody said was sustainable, but he's. He's held up that end of the uh, of the equation pretty well. Yeah, and and so I think that the comments are interesting. He obviously knows a lot of the people um, in the on, on the current Mets roster, and said okay, he was just there last year, um, and and said that um, he sees a lot of these guys walking on eggshells. So you know, I I don't know, like I, I just. I think that it's really easy to say that stuff when you leave, right? Mauricio <laughs> Dubon, who, um, who who was like uh, fine for the Giants, but not yeah. like elite, um, and then went to Houston and got an opportunity to play a lot and, and has had a really good first half. Then he also said like the Giants didn't treat him right. So everybody's just doing the wrong thing, like, or is it possible that guys in different situations can make the most of a new opportunity that they that they really enjoy where they're living or that they they really enjoy who they're playing with and and as a result they can be better they they can get more opportunities they can make the most of it and that it's not necessary that you have to then say like oh my previous organization was doing the wrong thing because I wasn't able to continuously do this like we saw JD Davis basically be what he is this year in 2019 for the Mets. 
Yeah. It, it's not necessary to for him to to cast that shade. And I understand, you know, the, the reporters are asking the questions. I think it's like, I don't know, there's nothing special to me about punching down when a team is obviously having a really bad run of it and has had a, a really poor season, whereas the Giants are, you know, surprisingly good. I I just don't think that it's necessary. I don't think that the the Mets did anything to wrong JD Davis other than he wasn't making the most of his opportunities when he was here and they uh, another team wanted him. They they saw another piece that they thought was going to help them contend for a championship and you know they got that wrong. But that doesn't mean that they did wrong by JD Davis. They sent him into this good situation. Yeah, I mean, you know <sighs> As far as Davis goes, and you could even probably lump Dubon into this, there's preconceived notions within the organization and not like in anything besides how we want to use or utilize or how we see this player moving forward through his career on a trajectory type, you know, scene uh, level. Um, you know, J.D. Davis, as you said, and as everybody really saw, he had all the tools to be that guy. And did the Mets probably mess with him a little bit? Sure. Um did they misuse him? Absolutely. Did they, I don't want to say mislead him, but um, it's almost like they weren't looking out for the best, um, I guess the, the most, <coughs> excuse me, the most efficient, most effective J.D. Davis they could have had. It's almost like, I guess what I'm, what I just read now, it's almost like they weren't, that wasn't really on their list of priorities. They just wanted, okay, JD Davis is going to be this person for this team. And, and we're just going to kind of, you know, pigeon tell you, pigeonhole you into this specific role. And clearly, I mean, there's so much more to his game and he's shown it this year, but you got to think how often that stuff happens. You know, how, how often do we hear, Oh, a change of scenery really helped this guy. Um, or whatever, or, or look at Dubon and saying, Hey, you know, they, they just, they, they didn't use me correctly. They treated me wrong, whatever the case is. And you move on. And, you know, these guys are major league players for a reason. Sometimes all you need is just that comfort level, just that absence of pressure, just that absence of anxiety. And yeah. guys find the spots. Look at look at Davis. He's went to San Francisco. It's a laid back thing. It's a room for him to just do his thing and succeed. And he's doing it. Look at Dubon. You know, they needed him in Houston and said, hey, you're versatile enough and you can put the ball in play. And, you know, let's let's see if you can really, you know, push all these buttons at a time that we really need him. And he has. And I'm, you know, thrilled for him, thrilled for Davis going back. And, and you know, it's not like he offered this stuff up. He was asked. Um, but, you know, is it a kicking dirt kind of vibe to it? Maybe. It's also conceivable that J.D. Davis was, you know, could have been very upset with how he was treated here. And then, you know, I'm sure if the fans were excited about J.D. Davis and, and his promise and his potential future with the Mets, imagine how the player himself thought uh, felt. And then things deteriorated. And now, you know, he's gone here. He's off to somewhere else. He's doing great. But you got to just wonder how often these things happen. And, and you know. How 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 different things could be if all right, you know what, this isn't working. Let's cut bait, let's move them along. And uh or hey, you know, this player's not working out there. Let's see if we can get him working here. And I guess that's the whole, you know, waiver wire quote unquote trash heap aspect of things. But 
in the same breath, like that's sometimes that's all it takes. Just a new set of eyes, a new, a fresh start for the player, for the org, whatever. And, you know, things get unlocked, things happen and, and guys take off. It's the beauty of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, I also think that there's a big thing to player development, right? The Giants do a very good job with player development. There's a reason why in 2021, I don't think that any of those like guys that had big seasons are household names, right? Like you had Buster Posey, but it was the latter end of his <clears throat> career. It was his last season. You had uh, uh, you look at Mike Shremsky, man. He what yeah. he made his major league debut at 28, 27. Right. And, and uh, basically like him, Darren Ruff, those are guys that they, they got off the, you know, uh, and, and I don't mean it pejoratively, but like the, the trash heap. Um, Good and, word. Good and, word. Uh, the things that, that Davis said in this interview, which is with the athletics, so people want to read more of it, but the, um, that being shuffled from first to third to the outfield and, and that that uh, compromised his ability to do any one thing well, but that is what value is, right? Like if I can plug you in three different positions, which by the way, you're not particularly good defensively at any of them. <laughs> and, and like, then you're more valuable to the team. So he has to understand that. I That one seems like a silly criticism to me. And then this other one, which I want to get your thoughts on, he said, if you, you feel a sense of urgency in the front office, as a player, you feel like you're going to be in survival mode. You, <laughs> I, I think that we have spent our entire lives as Mets fans begging for a front office with urgency. And I think a lot of us would say that it probably weren't even urgent enough last year. Darren Ruff and Michael Givens doesn't exactly scream urgency <laughs> to me. Um, uh, you know, maybe Baez did to a greater extent, but they, it's not like they, they kept him around. So I, I do, do you think that that's like a fair criticism for him to level that, uh, okay, the the front office, if this is the case, is trying to get cons- trying to get better, and they're they're eager to get better. Why is that a bad thing if you're a player? <laughs> no, I think you know I don't want to put myself in 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 Davis's mind or or, or twist his words, but um, I, I'm kind of curious as to why, as a player, you're. I mean, yeah, your livelihoods at stake, and you're playing for a job pretty much, you know, on a game to game, week to week, month to month basis, if you're not an established player, but um, yeah, it almost makes you wonder like, where's just the go out and do your job aspect and let the other stuff kind of fall into place. Um, you know, we talked a bunch about expectations and pressure regarding the 2023 Mets. And I'm not going to say, Oh, this is why they've, they've been so tripped up, but it's certainly possible. Um, I think anytime, and in any walk of life, if you start overthinking stuff, if you start worrying about things that are just out of, I guess, worrying outside of what you can control, um, you know, that that's only going to be a detriment to what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, you know, if J.D. Davis is worrying about if the front office was, you know, aggressive enough for showing enough urgency or whatever, um, you know, it is what it is. It's 
that's what management does. <laughs> you know, they're always looking to make things better, make things more efficient, you know, costs, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, only way you're going to keep your status or keep your position is by going out and doing your job. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious, I guess, where that kind of works into everything, but clearly he had some stuff on his mind. So, you know, let him, let him say what he says. He's doing well now. I'm happy for him, but yeah, it all comes back to the Mets though. Like I think they're finding their way as a successful organization. They haven't really been a successful organization, at least for long periods of time and, you know, extended or consistently or whatever. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be bumps in the road. And I think 2023 was a major bump in the road. It's quite possible that Billy Epler was a bump in the road. And, you know, uh, a president of baseball operations, just maybe some trial and error type stuff. But, you know, look at J.D. Davis. Was that a, a trial and error type situation for the Mets? Maybe, you know, you don't want to pigeonhole your yourself or your players into one specific role, especially when, as it turns out, <laughs> you know, this guy's got a, a wide array of, of value um, available for any club who could have really tapped into it. And uh, yeah, I, I think it kind of all ties into each other. It's, you know, it's a crossroads point for the Mets and it's, you know, seeing how things could have happened this year, thing, seeing how things could still happen, wondering how this trade deadline might or can or potentially change the future. I mean, there's a lot of different aspects right here, but, you know, what they've done from, let's say, this point last year to the All-Star break this year, they could have set themselves back. And I don't want to get too far off track here, but, you know, it's all kind of hand in hand, step by step. Oh, well, if they would have done this, then this would have happened. Oh, if they would have done this, maybe this wouldn't have happened. You know, a lot of hypotheticals, I guess. Yeah. And I, and I don't think it's a foolproof thing that they could have predicted that it would happen the way that it's happened, that Starling Marte would completely fall off a cliff, um, that, that, you know, they weren't going to get the production that they expected out of Jeff McNeil this year. Those things could still change, right? It's only half of a season, but it's half of a season. So um, should we take a break real quick? We'll talk a little bit about how the series went and and tie that into what a, what the trade deadline might look like. Now we're uh, less than a month away. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, the clock's ticking. Yeah, let's take a quick one. We'll, uh, we'll come right back. Hang tight. And we are back. Uh, so yeah, the Mets were able to uh, win a series. They're heading out west to Arizona. Taryn, what have you seen from this team, and where do you think they're headed now? Uh, the Diamondbacks? Well, they're really no, good. No, 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 no. Uh, the Mets. The Mets. <laughs> um, what they, I guess, you know, what they're coming off of, the team they're going to face, and what's ahead of them in the next month or so. Yeah, it feels like it's kind of like the last uh, hurrah here to to see if they can get some momentum going. Like I mentioned, it's almost like you know, imagine that. In basketball, college basketball specifically, like if you had a, a terrible first 17 minutes of the first half, and then like you go on a little spurt that last three minutes, trim it maybe single digits or something like that. And you come out first few minutes of the second half and you have a, a really strong start. That's what the Mets desperately need. Who knows if that's possible? Uh, getting another bullpen arm is helpful, I think. Um, 
And, uh, you know, they've had so much, uh, and rightfully so, consternation over starting pitching. Well, if you you look, like Scherzer had a pretty good start his last time out. Um, uh, They got uh, a good start from David Peterson. Maybe that finally fills the the fifth starter. Quintana's going to be back in uh, a week or so. Um, probably right after the all-star break or, or maybe even before, do we have time for him to come back before? Um, not a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, but, but soon anyway, and, uh, and yeah, Tommy Pham is hitting the ball really well. Maybe Pete starts to get going Uh weird play for McNeil where he was able to, to knock two in last night. So Maybe these things start building on each other. Uh, who knows? And uh, and and the good news is that we have a month to kind of find out. Um, things that that did stand out to me uh, in this series, Tommy Pham continuing to hit the ball really well. Uh, I think he's going to net us like a pretty solid prospect back, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, that, I think that if Marcana keeps on hitting, I think he could do the yeah. same. He was the other one that I was going to bring up because he has uh, shown that he still has that pop a little bit. Um, that the home run that he had in the the, um, the Sunday night game in particular looked good. Uh, yeah, I, I think maybe so. The buyout on his deal next year uh, is two million dollars. I could see the Mets maybe paying, uh, like sending. Canna and, and $2 million over to a team and seeing if you could get like a solid top 10 kind of prospect for a system, not overall. No, uh, yeah, I'm probably thinking more of top 20, but um, sure. as long as you get projectable arms, which this, you know, th- this organization is just absolutely like, you know, <laughs> searching for at this point, at least healthy ones. You have some, some, some potential prospects, but you know, fill out the depth of the pitching and take it from there. I mean, at least you can get something out of this season if it's not going to be a winning season. Right. Um, and I, I mean, that's, that's just where they're at right now. I, I, were there any pitchers that you saw that could be uh, a, an option for sending out maybe Adovino, if he can have like a, a couple good start or a couple good outings before the uh, deadline. Well, you would hope so. And he hasn't been as consistent as he was last year. And I'm sure that's going to affect whatever value he might have on the trade market. Um, it, you know, if he's sticking around and David Robertson, I believe he's only on that one year deal and he's been traded, I think like six or seven times in his career and yeah. still as effective as effective as ever. I would probably expect them to move him before Adovino and just slide Adovino until that into that ninth inning role and hope for the best. Um, you know, it, it certainly puts uh, it puts the question in in the Mets' mind, or it should, and I'm sure in the interested teams' minds because everyone always needs back end bullpen help. But um, yeah, I would I would kind of expect Robertson to go before Adovino at least. Um, Interest-wise, from from possible other teams, um, you know, I like what Raley's been able to do in recent games. He's been efficient. He's been consistent. Um, you know, maybe you look into. 
I don't want to start shifting around McGill or Peterson, but hey, if someone needs a a, a viable strike, you, you really can't put not for sale on on any one of these players if you're going into the trade market. And of course, there are untouchables. We talked about them last week, but um, yeah, there's. I mean, who else could you really move at this point? Well, I think Rayleigh is a really attractive target for for people. Maybe you package a couple of those guys and see if you can get an even higher level prospect. But really, really affordable. Uh, he's got uh, four and a half this year, and then he's got a club option for six and a half next year. So um, that deal looks pretty good. Um, Dominic Leone was uh, Mets traded for him after he was put on waivers, right? I thought they just signed him. That was just a signing? Yeah. All right. Either way, I mean, hey, if you can move him, he's been decent. If you can move him for somebody, that's that's something too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, all of those guys. Because you know that the bullpen has to be completely rebuilt. And so uh, you, I think rather just give Gott, Hartwig, McFarlane, Brigham, although he's been – Really rough of late. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Brigham's kind of lost that lost that luster a bit. Just give them all the opportunities. See if you can get one decent reliever out of that bunch, and then know what you're going into next year with. Because that is uh, an area where beyond Diaz coming back, there is a lot of work that needs to be done. You, you just can't be in a situation where. Um, you know, you have this this level of payroll, and then I'm I'm begging for Dominic Leone to to get through the the seventh inning. It, it's just <laughs> like it's frustrating to watch, and I'm I'm sure it must be frustrating for Steve as well. So, um, yeah, that that I think is an area where the the president of baseball ops, David Stearns, will uh, will focus on heavily. <laughs> um, if they do start chipping off guys. And, you know, you're, you're sticking Beatty, Alvarez, uh, Vientos, call up Ronnie. They're all going to be in the mix for the remainder of the season, right? If it's up to you. They have to. They have to. You have to know what you have. Like, it, it's crazy to me right now that, that Vientos is not up. Like, he might not be good. He might just be a guy. But but I think that you need to give him a little bit of a longer run to know whether that's the case or not. Um, I don't even think at this point you're like preserving his trade value by keeping him at Syracuse. I think that he's uh, like, you need to to see whether, unless they've completely written him off already as being part of the future core. I don't know. I mean, not with exit velocities like that. Um, you know, a little bit of seasoning, a little bit of experience, a little bit of seeing major league pitching on a consistent level. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's got the power profile to be fine. And, um, you know, the only way that the Mets are ever going to learn is, or, or, you know, ever going to see who, what they actually have in, in Mark Vientos or, or anybody. You I mean, look at the strides that Alvarez and Beatty have taken in, I mean, Beatty, he looks like a comfortable young hitter right now. Alvarez, I mean, just this past weekend, he was really, really looking quite strong, but the type of <laughs> the ilk of players that, Vientos is that Ronnie Mauricio is going to be 
getting them experienced now over this second half of mostly a lost season. And who knows? Maybe they get a spark. Maybe they make a run. And maybe in September, they're fucking, excuse me, four games out of the wild card and they make a push. And maybe it's because of the energy of a, of a young infusion, whatever the case may be. It ain't over till it's over. Wise man named Yogi Berra once said that. <laughs> um, it, it's, yeah, they, they've got a lot of decisions to make in a month left to, to really um, do anything considerable to, to what they're trying, well, anything substantial to, to trying to move the needle, I guess. Yeah, I, I think even more than, um, you know, look at them getting comfortable, it's like, look at them being uncomfortable at this level. You got to fail at this to get better. I, there are very few guys that have ever come up and been instantly good and and good their entire careers. And uh, those guys go in the Hall of Fame. But to be like a good all-star level player too, you got to come up and you got to fail a little bit. So you'll come up, you do however you do, the legal adjust to you, you'll fail, you'll come back, you'll work on things, you'll improve the things that you do well. That's baseball. Like there, Terry Collins always said, that there are two types of people in this game, those who are humbled and those who will be. And so I, I think that that's the case for these young guys. And, and that's what I'm hoping to see the rest of the season. Anything else before we get out of here, Tim? I think that's it, man. You, you nailed it. That was the uh, soliloquy for, uh, that was an independence day soliloquy. Everybody. Um, we'll see you guys next time. Uh, I believe Andrew's off next weekend for his wedding. Congratulations, Andrew. So we'll be back after that. Until then, let's fucking go Mets. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.